Guardian Unlimited. One week on from his first win in Montreal, Lewis Hamilton does it again in the United States. The seventh podium finish brings the second win for Lewis Hamilton and a 10-point lead in the championship over Fernando Alonso, his McLaren teammate, who finished second, beaten by Hamilton. Felipe Massa maintained Ferrari's presence on the podium by finishing third, but some distance behind the McLarens. Hello and welcome, this is Morris Hamilton talking to you from the paddock here at Indianapolis. This is the Formula One show on Guardian Unlimited. Uh, talking about the United States Grand Prix with uh, Ian Phillips, the business affairs manager at Spiker. Ian, starting at the top, as ever, Lewis Hamilton wins again. This time after Canada, we had, of course, a really messy race there. Here, very clear cut, no safety cars. Two McLaren start from the front row of the grid, Lewis Hamilton on pole, Fernando Alonso alongside. Hamilton wins. Big challenge from Alonso, but Hamilton beats him. Yeah, yet another astonishing performance. The story just goes on and on. Lewis had a race on his hands today. His teammate was really, really determined. He tried really hard to get him going into the first corner. Never really let up at any stage during the race. And after the second pit stop, I think it was, he, he got really close to him again. In fact, he got alongside him going into the braking area to the first corner, but Lewis held his nerve. And yet again, the guy didn't make a mistake. Alonso did make one mistake. He had one tiny little trip to the to the grass, but the two-time world champion Alonso was humbled yet again by Lewis Hamilton. Now, uh, Lewis was explaining to us after the race that um, during that middle sector, the tyres he just they started to grin a little bit, which caught him by surprise and went off. That's why he lost a bit of performance, and then that was why uh, Fernando Alonso was able to attack. And they ran side by side, as you say, for a bit. It was very dramatic. It reminded me actually of Nigel Mansell and Ayrton Senna at Barcelona, wheel to wheel, 195 miles an hour, with uh, Hamilton making the one allied move to the right to block him, going down the straight, and then he took the racing line into to the corner and uh, Alonso trying to run alongside couldn't do anything about it that was it game over very impressive I was waiting to see Hamilton for example lock a brake under such pressure or something like that but nothing he braked at the last minute got around the corner very easily huge pressure from Alonso now Alonso uh, has been kind of intimating that at that point in the race he was quicker and felt that he should perhaps have been let, let through. Now, uh, all the uh, rumour specialists here in the paddock are at full tilt on this one, as you might imagine, Ian. And there was one point, I don't know if you saw it, but during the race, just before Alonso made that move, he actually ran over to the pit wall underneath the McLaren pit, as if to say, look, I'm quicker. And, he's, and he has reiterated that at the press conference afterwards. I'm quicker, I should get through. But the McLaren team let them race. Uh, I don't know what your interpretation of that would be. I certainly saw the move with him swooping down in front of of, uh, his pit garage and I thought what on earth is that about is he is he trying to make a point but you know why why I don't think there was any question of, of that point of uh, issuing any any team orders I think they were genuinely racing one of, one of the things that we've had this weekend the two types of Bridgestone tire one of them the softer tire was not quite good enough to be to be honest and quite a few teams had had a problem with it and that's what Lewis was on at the time and yeah he he'd lost a little edge in performance but I don't think Alonso could have been saying let me overtake tell him to let me buy at, at all I don't think that was that was right you know 
boy, you've got to overtake him. Yeah, he's, he's not in the comfort zone of Renault anymore. It's not his team. He's got a teammate who's equally as good as he is, if not, well, I would say getting better by the race, to be honest. And, you know, if he's going to have Spanish sulks about this, then uh, the championship's Hamilton's. One lesson I think that uh, Lewis Hamilton has learned in, uh, particularly after Monaco, where of course there was all the argy-bargy and the fuss because he was running behind Alonso there and wasn't able to challenge or wasn't able to run the pit strategy he wanted. Well, that's now a bit of history, but as ever, Hamilton seems to be learning from everything he does. And I think one lesson that came from that was, if I'm going to beat this guy, Alonso, the two times world champion, I've got to get ahead of him on the grid, which he has subsequently done. Pole in Montreal, pole here. And his qualifying, yet, his qualifying lap yesterday, which really kind of came out of the blue because Alonso had been quicker in sessions one, two and three of free practice. Suddenly with qualifying, he finds two tenths in the middle sector of the lap and gets pole. That actually probably was where the race was won. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, two tenths around this circuit, because it's only a one minute 12 lap, is, in percentage terms, is a massive amount to find. It's, it's a twiddly little uh, section that where where he found it, and, and technique comes into play there, without a doubt, probably probably more so than, uh, than the car. I mean, I wonder if he isn't just so confident now that he's starting to sandbag in the, uh, in, in, in the other sessions, you know, and he just pulls it, pulls it out at, at, right at the end of the session whatever he's he's got it worked out he knows that starting from pole position gives him the edge not on the track but also choice from strategy and stuff like that he's he's worked it out for himself and he's just delivering and alonso i have to say he isn't he's trying pretty hard but he makes mistakes and and what is so magnificent about lewis i can only recall probably three mistakes in seven races so far and not really costly ones either when it didn't matter the guy just doesn't make them especially when he's under pressure actually he, he did admit to making a little slip uh which is why alonso was able to get get close to him and that was coming onto the banking he said it got it slightly wrong uh and i knew that fernando was going to attack me and he said and sure enough he did but as we've just said earlier he was ready for it he uh he, he fended him off, he didn't panic, he didn't lock his brakes up, and he just did the business. So uh, I think that also accounted for the fact that after the race, I thought it was really noticeable that when the drivers got together in victory circle there, and Fernando Alonso's taking his helmet off and he's watching, he had the look this time, there was no petulance, there was no fretting after Canada because of the way the rules and the pit stops and the safety card interfered with everything. He had the look of a guy who's thinking, God, what do I have to do? This this fellow Hamilton really is quick. He looked resigned to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, to be honest, I was looking for him. I wanted to look at Alonso's body language and couldn't actually find him until they went up to the, the, the weighing room. He kind of exited stage right pretty damn quick and he left uh, uh, Lewis and uh, Felipe Massa to wave to the crowd and so on. He just wasn't there. And in fact, they, they had... A little uh, Hamilton and Alonso had a, a little hug and a cuddle when they got up into in, into the weighing room, but uh, Alonso had been waiting for him for two or three minutes. Probably, I better just keep quiet here because uh, if I do anything silly or whatever, um, I'm not going to be the most popular guy around. I've got to accept my teammate is a bit of a hero. Yeah, that could count too. When they got on the podium, they were sort of arm and arm. I think there's been a little bit of uh, team strategy in the in the public public relations department here because I think McLaren are very 
quite conscious indeed uh, of all these stories that have been flying around the paddock, particularly Alonso, who inflamed one of them by telling Spanish radio that he thought a British team, British driver, they were going to favour him. But clearly here he was uh, on the charm offensive, arm in arm with the guy. But nonetheless, I think he must be wondering what on earth he's got to do. Two times world champion, this kid comes in and he's blown him away. Yeah, just think of it, Morris. He, uh, Lewis has got a 10-point lead in the championships now, so actually whatever happens in France in two weeks' time, he's going to arrive at Silverstone uh, on points at least in the, lead of, in the lead of the championship because as only his teammate can equal the number of points he gets, and that's if he doesn't finish in, in Manicor. We've got to be realistic. His will will come crashing down one, one day, but uh, you know what the man I'm seeing now... He's got, he will accept when that, that happens and he'll come bouncing back. Uh, this is just extraordinary stuff to watch and I, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same. I feel really privileged to be watching it. I'm just so excited about the whole thing. Coming to race day now, you know it's going to, you're going to see something special. It just reminds me of when Michael made his debut with your team, Jordan. Uh, there was something special about him, Ayrton Senna arriving and just doing spectacular things in the wet with a bit of a dog of a car, the Tolman. You, you're aware that you're seeing something. And, but here, I've never seen it so full on every race, the guy just blowing us sideways with what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's truly magnificent. I mean, we, we are seeing the birth, if you like, of a, of a man that's going to, I think, become a sporting legend. Whether he actually beats Michael Schumacher statistically or not, well, we shan't know for another 10 or 12 years, I suppose. But I think in terms of a man as a, as a sportsman recognised around the world, you've got to say he's already up there amongst the elite. Well, when you get the attention of Tiger Woods, who's playing in the US Open two states away over in Pennsylvania, and saying he's watching this guy, and he was actually a bit annoyed he had to go and play golf instead of watching qualifying yesterday, I think you know you've arrived. Yeah, it's it's great for the business of, of, of motorsport too. Um, it's taken us new places. And when you get legends like Tiger Woods saying, well, I want to watch this guy, you know, this is this is terrific. We're entering new territory, really, which is fabulous for just for the business of motorsport. Now, struggling really into second best when you're talking about McLaren getting another one too. Ferrari, disappointing in, I think, that they're not finding the pace we'd rather hope they'd had. Or maybe is it that McLaren are just getting stronger and stronger and leaving Ferrari behind, perhaps? I, I think there's certainly... The, the adrenaline starts to pump. When, you, when you're, you're winning races in the way that they have done so the last, uh, the last couple, th there is something that obviously pushes you forward a lot more. But the big change came, and I, I've, I've yet to see a technical explanation. We left Barcelona, whatever it was, six weeks ago now, and Ferrari was six-tenths of a lap faster than McLaren. And six-tenths... In, in Formula One terms, is massive. It's a huge advantage. You know, it could take you a season to eradicate that kind of advantage. But McLaren have done it. You thought in um, Monaco, okay, it's a funny kind of a circuit, so perhaps it's, it's masked. We'll go to Montreal and the true picture will come. The true picture was, it was six tenths of a second again. It wasn't quite as much here because the lap time is, is shorter, but in percentage terms, it's the same. McLaren have a huge advantage and I think Ferrari are lost for answers I really don't think they know what to do nothing has happened they keep saying don't worry we'll come back they're not coming back they're really really not coming back and I'm not sure that it's 
all down to what some people might say is a, a lacklustre um, driver performance either. I just don't think they've got the answers mechanically. No, I think you're right because we had Massa finishing third and Kimi Raikkonen fourth. Uh, their lap times weren't too bad compared to McLaren, but then they just dropped away, particularly in the middle stint. Massa saying he couldn't get the tyres to work. He was a bit slow coming out of the pits. He got stuck in traffic. And that gap then had suddenly expanded and he couldn't get it back. I think that sums up their problem. But one thing I didn't understand, Ian, was that uh, Massa, along with most of the other front runners, started on the softer option tyre. Raikkonen was the only one of the leading runners to go on the harder one. And uh, that was the way I was... I I was expecting everybody to be on the hard run from the knowledge, the, the information we'd had, but that wasn't the case. But however, uh, it came Raikkonen's way towards the end because then he had the soft zone at the end when Massa didn't, and Raikkonen was quicker but just couldn't get past. How, how did you read the tyre situation? Well, I think a lot of it actually was temperature related. Um, quite a few teams, and, and ours included, normally when, when you put on the soft set of tyres, you expect an improvement of half a second. That's, that's what they can be worth on, on a one lap basis. Uh, and you would hope that over a 20 lap stint or a 25 lap stint that they would be two or three tenths a, a lap quicker. But something was happening this weekend with, with the track and a lot of us yesterday going in, into qualifying, having got, found a good setup on the hard tyre, just found there was no advantage to be gained and putting the soft tyre on. Others were finding, there were some teams that were capable of doing it. The, the only way I could read it was um, that perhaps it was just temperature related. Some, some cars are aerodynamically more efficient uh, than others and are more efficient um, downforce car will be easier on its tyres and, and maybe it's, it's the very efficient cars like the McLaren really which I have to say is truly the class of the field right now is probably just a little bit gentler uh, on the tyres I think Raikkonen is having to drive so hard that the soft tyre was just too marginal uh, just for his driving style really um, but the the hard tyre was a very good and, co and consistent tyre, but if you were able to make the soft tyre work, you've got a teeny, teeny advantage, but not great. Yes, and Kimi Raikkonen actually did a faster race lap than Massa uh, during the 73 laps. But at the end of the day, Massa was the one who finished ahead. Massa is not, still leading Raikkonen in the championship. It's still going Massa's way, isn't it? Yeah, Raikkonen uh, made a pretty poor start. And um, he found him sort of himself behind uh, Renaults and, and BMWs. And he did, as you say, put in, a, uh, I think it was a three or four lap spurt just before his second stop when he got past uh, Kovalainen in the Renault and, and Heidfeld. He had, a, he had a clear run at his teammate and he threw in three or four consistently very fast and fastest laps of the of the entire race and he made up what he'd lost uh, earlier on. But it, you know, the guys... The guy isn't performing, Morris. You know, fastest lap, fine. Okay, you think, oh well, perhaps he's got into a groove. But a race meeting is conducted over three days, and you know, he, he just doesn't look right to me. There's something just not right. I don't know if it's pressure that he's getting from somewhere, but you know, Massa, Massa is in, in control in that in that team, but he's nowhere near uh, McLaren pace. 
So McLaren and Ferrari, first, second, third and fourth, perhaps as we'd come to expect. But BMW, not there in fifth place. We'll come to that in a minute. In fifth place, Heike Kobelainen in the Renault. Another strong drive from him uh, on a day when uh, teammate Giancarlo Fisichella was on a two, uh, sorry, a one-stop strategy, admittedly running very heavy at the start. Did make up a few places, then threw it all away, spun down the field, got mixed in with a hoi polloi, couldn't get past. And Kobelainen, thankfully for Renault, doing a really good job for, for the second race running. Yeah, I think he obviously took a lot of confidence from uh, that great race that he had in Canada last last week. He, he's just looked on short of confidence during uh, during the year, and he had a horrendous start to the Canadian weekend. But you know, he wiped it all all away in the race with a really really good performance. And he's been on the pace all weekend. I've, I've watched him very closely this weekend, and right from the start, he's been actually quicker than Fisichella, not not by much, but you know, at a place where he's he's racing at for the first time and it's the sort of place where the infield section particularly ought to suit Fisichella's style. Kovalainen was in front of him all the time. Drove a very, very good race, I thought. Fisichella, yeah, okay, gambled to go on a one-stop strategy, and I suspect it, it was the weight of the, the fuel under braking for the first corner on, on lap two that sent him, sent him off into the weeds. Um, it wasn't a very good performance, really. I mean, he's meant to be a team leader from a team that's struggling. I think they're picking up the pace a, a little bit, but, you know, they're, they're staring down the barrel of fifth place in the Constructors' Championship this year at, at best. You know, it's a long fall from uh, from one. And I'll tell you what, in terms of uh, prize money, it's millions and millions and millions. <laughs> that, will, that will be of interest or not to Flavio Briatore, the, the team boss. Uh, Kovalainen was saying, by the way, that uh, when he came out after his uh, first pit stop and he was actually hoping to be ahead of Heidfeld. Well, he was going to be ahead of Heidfeld and uh, and Kimi Räikkönen, but the, the the tires, the pace on the tires just wasn't there. They both overhauled him. Now Heidfeld would have been, I think, uh, pretty safe in fourth place, but it was only his second retirement this year, but another critical one. We think it was gearbox related, as it was on his previous uh, retirement in Spain. But again, another consistently quick job from uh, from Heidfeld, and another good start from him as well. Yes, I thought he drove. Uh, I thought he drove pretty well. I have to say, I was a little disappointed in the in the speed of the BMWs this weekend. They they were really really fast in Canada uh, last week, and not quite there uh, this weekend. But Nick's the man that's on top of his game right right now, and he did a good job until, as you say, um, retirement beckoned. Yeah, and of course, uh, the second BMW was uh, was was not. Um, was not uh, driven by the usual man because, because we'd seen the Robert Kubica's accident in Canada. He arrived here very fit looking. Uh, he passed most of the, well, all of the medical tests, but rightly, the uh, medical people wouldn't pass him fit to race because he'd had a knock, a bit of, they feel a knock on the head. Canada, not worth taking the risk. Sebastian Vettel, aged 19, makes his Formula One debut, gets into the top 10 and scores his first point. A couple of little moments on the grass, as you might expect, but again, exciting for us to see another newcomer, another youngster coming in and just showing the old boys how. Yeah, it's very good. He's, uh, I met him when he was 15 years old, when he was uh, driving the Formula BMW Championship in, in Germany. And there was just something about the guy. And I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased he's, he's made his debut this, uh, this quickly, to be honest. I think there's, there's something about him. It was a tough call uh, to put him in here, to be honest, because they've got another reserve driver in Timo Glock who's done some Grand Prix. But no, they followed what the contract they've got. 
they placed faith in him and I think pretty much he rewarded them. You can't ask for more than getting a point in, uh, in his first race and I'm not sure that uh, Robert Kubica would have done much better. As I say, I don't think the BMW was that fast this weekend and I think they'll be very, very satisfied with him coming home with a point. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. I mean, he's 19 and he, and he actually does look at, you know, he looks, he's pro I wouldn't be surprised if he's sitting up in the BMW office doing his Latin homework now, <laughs> come back to school tomorrow. And by the way, BMW have reiterated that uh, even if he'd won this race by some fluke, if it'd be one of those strange races, uh, that Kubica still has the drive and that's the way it's going to be in France in two weeks' time. Coming home in sixth place, Jarno Trulli in the Toyota. And I actually thought that was a really strong drive from Jarno in a car that still isn't quite there. And once again, he showed his teammate up, Ralph Schumacher. Ralph uh, uh, caused a bit of a kerfuffle at the first corner and uh, took out David Coulthard and involved Rubens Barrichello uh, as well and opened the retirement list, three cars at the first corner. But Jarno Trulli was pushing all weekend as far as I could see and considering what he'd been through seven days ago in Canada with two suspension failures, his involvement in Kubica's accident, uh, a great job by him. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough cookie, Jarno. Uh, deep down, sometimes he, he, he looks a bit soft, but actually he's a very determined guy and I think... Toyota must be thanking their lucky stars that they've uh, they've got him around right now because he's stuck at the task today. It isn't it isn't a very good car. It's not that quick. But his teammate Ralph Schumacher was yet again the most dismal person in in the paddock and on on the racetrack. To be honest, and I mean he came to see me and says I'm spreading rumours about him uh, him leaving the team. Well, I told him that I was, and I thought it was time he went. <laughs> Now, just uh, fighting with him all the way during the 73-lap race was actually Mark Webber uh, in the Red Bull, and Mark finally came through to score his first points of the season. Typical Webber, though, he said he just liked a bit more speed, the, bit, the car was sliding around a bit, a little bit uh, more downforce he'd like, and so on. But he did have a very energetic race, and that was some points for Red Bull in the day when, as we've just said, David Coulthard uh, was an early retirement. Now, quickly just scanning down the rest of the field there's one name that springs to mind or jumps out at me and I'm not just saying this because we're here in the uh, spiker enclosure but your man Adrian Sutil certainly in the first part of the race was right up there made a great start was looking really good and was giving uh, Verts and the rest of them a bit something to think about yeah he was I mean we've always felt that uh, Adrian's a, a, a good racer he was Lewis Hamilton's teammate in Formula 3 two years ago and there wasn't a lot to choose between them other than the Mercedes team orders that said that Hamilton should win um, but um, we're getting closer and closer. Three races in a row, we've qualified within two seconds of pole, and our qualifying pace isn't good. But uh, we've always felt the race pace was good, and here he got he got a good start. It was up to 14th uh, at, at the end of the first lap, and he got people like uh, Verts, Davidson, Button, Speed, Liuzzi, and and Fischer Keller as he was clawing his way through, and he conducted himself really well. And his lap times, uh, we were really encouraged by. Um, we've got a big step coming on the car in uh, in Turkey, which I, I think means that we'll be out racing all of these guys in the last four races. We'll be going for something. So that was that was nice for us to uh, to have a performance like that because we've always felt it was it was in there. But when you qualify right at the back, you don't always get the brakes to be able to get in and mix it amongst them. But but he did, and he kept it there actually right until the very last stop. And had it had it not been for Verts holding him up, we feel in the first stint because he was holding him up. Um, actually, the two-stop strategy would have paid off. We would have finished probably twelfth. 
Yes, talking about Alex Wurtz, uh, of course, the man on the podium two, a week ago in Canada. He uh, finished 10th here, the only finisher for Williams because Nico Rosberg had worked his way up. He, he'd, he'd actually had a terrific qualifying again, but then he messed up the start for some reason, uh, dropped back, but worked his way back up to sixth place when he had an engine failure a few laps from the end. I think great shame. You could tell by the body languages as he got out of the car. Not impressed by that. And a great shame. And, of course, Williams will not be impressed because their one mission this season, having finished eighth in the championship last year, was to sort out reliability so they will not be too impressed by that but Wurtz to say at least did get a finish ahead of Anthony Davidson he had a great fight actually with Jensen Button at one point overtaking the Honda as Button just struggled you could see his lap times were truly appalling in that Honda the sole surviving Honda because Barrichello knocked out at the first corner then we had Scott Speed Adrian Suttle as we've mentioned Christian Albers and the other spiker uh, and they were the sole finishers Rosberg was a late retirement Tony Oliuzzi who had held everybody up very early on was a, another retirement yet another time I think it's about his fifth or his sixth retirement so that was the final result at the uh, end of the United States Grand Prix round seven of the championship on Father's Day uh, Lewis Hamilton had to be reminded actually it was Father's Day he was so intent on getting the job done and putting all his thought and application to winning his second race in succession he was a bit embarrassed to find out it was Father's Day because of course he owes so much to his dad his proud father Anthony standing down below at Victory Circle here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway proud moment for, for them both proud moment for everybody at the McLaren team another one too great for us to watch hope you've enjoyed listening to our podcast uh, the Formula One show here on Guardian Unlimited In and I will be back for the next round we return to Europe the French Grand Prix at Manicure let's see if Lewis Hamilton can do it there on the build up to Silverstone and July the 8th for the British Grand Prix but until then remember keep the revs up safe motoring this is Morris Hamilton saying cheerio from Indianapolis Guardian Unlimited